I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Years and Timestamps, a book club podcast. Well, still don't like Quoth? No, I don't. <laughs> well, I, he's, I, I didn't have as much of a problem with him like day to day this section as I have in the past. Yeah. And maybe that's just acceptance <laughs> rather than actually like growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think in general, I still don't care for him as a character. Yeah. Which sucks because he's the main character. <laughs> yeah, this this section had a lot of like the maturing aspects that I was like, that I really enjoy. I feel like he mm-hmm. comes back to his life more matured, even though we haven't seen that. We've just been seeing him grow. And right. Because he's having serious experiences now. Yeah. And and these are a lot of things that have been like foreshadowed from like when at the, before he was even telling the story, like how I learned to fight from the Amir. Like we're about to get a taste of that. We just learned the Amir are not quiet, thoughtless people that or channel the them. Oh, thank or you. Or the Adem or Adem. however they yeah, pronounce no. it. I just read it. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah, so the, yeah, the, the Amir are like the, the legendary ones or whatever. Right? Well, yeah. I guess they're both legendary in their own right. But the Amir are like the, the, like the fairy story one. Well, not to go off on a different thought completely, but... I didn't realize the Amir were like Filurian said that the Amir were of the Fae. Like I didn't like that. No human. That's what she suggests, right? Yeah. Uh, And or like you said, outright says. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's something that I thought that we had talked about, or maybe I just suspected, but never brought up. Whenever we get the story from what's his fucking face, the old guy back in um, no, the old guy back in uh, Tarban, Scarpy. Yeah, whenever he tells that version mm-hmm. of um, the the city siege, uh, where with Heliax and stuff too. That was the one with Heliax, right? It was the story. That's where what's uh, his name turns into Heliax. Yeah, is what I think we're supposed to take from it. Um, Lanre, yes, he betrays the yeah. guy and destroys Mirtariel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the story that Scarpy tells uh, suggests that the whoever was the king of Mirtariel. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes to whoever actual God is and says like, hey, I need to do this to like, you know, make sure that something like this doesn't ever happen again. And uh, Telu next to him is like, I will join you in this fight. And then they fight. They be, they form the Emir in that moment in oh. Scarpy's version of the story. Okay. Uh, so I, th- I thought we had talked about that, but that was also the previous book at this point. Yeah. I, I remember bringing up that I thought it was interesting how Master Lauren was so quick to shut down like both looking into the Amir, mm-hmm. and he ta- like pulled him aside and was like, "Let me tell you everything I know." Kind of like he was almost like he was doing him a favor, but he was really just like trying to nip it in the bud before he right, got too yeah. adventurous with it. Satisfy his curiosity. He yeah. doesn't realize it's an obsession, not just curiosity. Yeah. So like the fan theory was that he could be part of the holy order of Amir, which makes mm-hmm. them sound human, but they right. also had such an almost unbelievable uh, like influence and, and ability. Like they. I mean, when you look up Amir in, uh, well, when you look up fan fan art of the book, Mm -hmm. (laughs) one of the photos that pops up the most is the Amir, and it's one of the the guys. One I don't remember who. It's probably one of the guys from the the main story, but it's it's him like walking out of a burning building with a sword. It's just like I don't know. It's really intense, and it makes it seem like they're because they're they're touting that they are like the the like hand and word of god basically right right yeah yeah so that mm-hmm. that kind of made it almost seem like he was of this incredible holy order right there's something power. supernatural and, about him mm-hmm. yeah and i never realized that and so when i was saying like hey what do you think of this fan theory i didn't even consider what i would be implying which would be that lauren is of another world right yeah which would then it'd be like i don't know if that has anything to do with the four plate door in the university again, but it, it, it'll fit with our, our fan theory that we were trying to figure out what was behind it. Like it could be like a door into the like another into the di- fan. Yeah. That might make a little more sense if, if there was somebody to watch the gate, like of that mm-hmm. order, you know, I think like, we get uh, a bit of an answer from Felurian about it yeah? because she doesn't reference. I mean, she talks about the, the um, doors of stone or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because the, um, the original shaper, the one who steals the moon, is locked behind it, is yeah. what she says. That was cool. So, because the worlds were both the fan and the mortal world were both once one, and now mm-hmm. they're not because they got into a war with each other, the namers and the shapers. Mm-hmm. And but they so they locked whoever the you know the big bad shaper was who stole the moon, uh, behind the door. So that means that it is inherently connected to 
both worlds in the way that probably everything is actually kind of inherently connected to both worlds. Uh, but that for them to constantly be referencing this door that nobody knows what the fuck is behind it. Mm -hmm. They all, all the different references behind about the doors in the last three or four chapters, it's been coming up constantly. They all have to be the same fucking door. There's no reason for it to be so confusing to just start throwing out all these random doors that have secrets behind them and then not all be the same thing. Right. That would just be annoying writing. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you know how I was like, pay attention to all the nursery rhymes. I don't know if you remember this one, but there was one about like the lackless box. Mm -hmm. um, did do you, is that like related at all? Because the lackless box know. sounds like Volt's thrice locked chest, right? <laughs> and yeah. if he's lackless, then it makes sense that of course he'd want to make a chest with the third lock being like mm -hmm. hidden and built in. And uh, I think the majority of the time, whenever something's being referenced in these books, it's in it is intended to bring it back to your mind right so that you're mm -hmm. thinking about it and usually whenever that's being done it's because it is whatever it is that you think it is you know okay. unless I, I mean obviously there's cases where you get like misled on purpose mm -hmm. because that's how you form a narrative mm -hmm. but it, it just seems too obvious to not be true at this point it's like in the beginning of Game of Thrones when it'd be like, last time on Game of Thrones. And it was like four seasons ago. You're like, okay, that matters again, I guess. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that even happened. Now, okay, it's coming back up, though. So that's why they're giving you the quick reminder. That's it. That's why they're talking about the foreplay door and the lack. It's they're, they're, They must be related. It has like, to be. Yeah. Certainly with, you know, we're coming to the end of the second book, which, you know, page count aside is... Mm -hmm theoretically two-thirds of the way through the story being told mm -hmm. um so we've got to start tying up some of these fucking knots right yeah quit or opening so ends, many rather. doors and trying to, yeah, yeah exactly let's before it turns into a lost situation like yeah. some of these questions need to start coming together so that we can start to guess them because if they all just get if it does what i hate more than anything the info dump at the end because it it, did, it didn't have confidence in itself that you could figure out the answers for yourself and be brought there. It's just like, no, these are the answers. Unfortunately, like, that's what I'm feeling coming because of how he's like, not necessarily like teaching us the Adamic language, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, kind of how we're, because we, we got a piece of the Adamic language and we were like learning before we went to Ademre. And then it's just like, it feels like, it feels like maybe that was done gracefully, like mm -hmm. giving us a little bit here. The build-up there is them, very well done, but but it feels like he's got to give you all this info, and like if yeah. all if if all the books are a build-up so that all the info matters and it's not an info dump, that would be it can't be so impressively masterfully done. It must be like I don't but think I, the academic yeah. language is going to matter at the end. You know, like like you're saying, like that specifically was a very well done story beat. Uh, as far as how does he learn academic language and mm -hmm. come to be able to be accepted by the secretive, you know, people, um, it, which is important towards his growth in some ways. Uh, so character development it works very well and is done very well. But mm -hmm. it's probably not going to matter to whatever the big question of this story is, right? You're right. I don't think it will. I think that this is just a so maybe the to... other things that like, you know, the question about what is behind the door mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, who are the Emir and who are the seven and all those sorts of things. I think those are the ones that hopefully they all come together nicely and some of them don't get lost like the way that the Game of Thrones show handled the the White Walkers mm -hmm. where they get killed off in the third episode of the final season. No one gives a shit. Uh, it's yeah. not like that's not the story that matters for the end of the entire show. Mm -hmm. This thing that was literally the opening scene of the first episode. <laughs> yeah, something you that know? mattered so much. Yeah, it was it, like it was, it was so much more important than they treated it at the end. Okay. So they could potentially do that to like, I don't know, the Chandrian in this mm -hmm. story or maybe whatever's behind the door. But I feel like it's all connected. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's probably going to come together. I, I'm hoping that he's able to do that. Yeah. Unless the you know the next book is three thousand pages and he just gets lost somewhere because he gets lost <laughs> in the weeds. Yeah, like him doing all that effort for Edemic is sort of yes, it was well done. Was it necessary? Yeah, and no, I know exactly what you mean. And unfortunately, that's probably why I like the book so much because mm -hmm. I keep always referencing the side stories, like mm -hmm. the language, and then well, because uh, the world Fillerian. is so good, like we've talked mm -hmm. about, everything that he's building up is so great, and I think that he really loves it and mm -hmm. wants to give every idea that he loves its due diligence. 
but that doesn't necessarily always serve the actual narrative. You yeah. Know? Like there should be more story side stories like Ari's and Bast's side stories. Mm-hmm. They're separate works rather than being like, you have to get through this to get whatever the main story is. I don't know that that's always the right move. Mm-hmm. Maybe the third book comes out and blows my socks off and I'm wrong, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be funny if like Bast's book, his little side story was originally one of the interludes of like, Right. The first book. And an editor was it. like, get out of here. Like, we don't need yeah. this one. <laughs> I get it. It's cool, but let's drop it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody thinks Bast is cool. We don't need another story about him. Right. And then, yeah, give it to the ultra fans that are just jonesing for more. Right. But where does we, so where did we start this time? We were trying to figure that out before we started recording. The last thing I remember. It's been two weeks since we last did because I've been moving. And so that's why I couldn't make it work last week and we had to postpone. It was the the fight. The big fight with him and Denna, where they like. Oh stop right, being that was like two chapters, or the chapter that we ended because he gets the he gets his uh, commission to go take care of the bandits, right? I think we mm-hmm. at least got to that point before this section started. Um, Just like I, he got the commission, I don't know that we saw him like set out necessarily. I don't think so. That's like the first thing that okay, happens. Okay, maybe the first thing then. But yeah. it, I think it ended with him and Denna fighting, and then mm-hmm. him wake. Him, I know like, that the fight was part of it because I had a lot of notes about it. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when I was like, "He see, he just keeps making the same mistakes. <laughs> he never <laughs> learns anything." But anyways, yeah, he uh, was like hungover, like super wasted when they were like, "We need you to go lead this band of misfits to go oh, right, take out goes these home bandits." From the fight yeah. and gets plastered. Yeah, classic. And, uh, yeah, that was weird. Did you? Wh- why do you think you sent him? on that journey you know like Kvothe was saying like maybe to get him out of the way of his love life you know because let's get this sweet tooth uh singer out of the way who's also happens to be super smart and saved the mayor you mm-hmm, know like he's right. trying to gain some of his uh like authority back like i he's think to gain- that the mayor is not critical enough of a character that his intentions need to be complicated okay. so i think that it is what Kvothe thinks okay that it's just like you know, like a really smart statesmanly decision to make, you know, that here's this person that I'm indebted to more than I maybe want to be. Um, I don't want him around right now uh, because, of, you know, like you were talking about, like he's, you know, courting this woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have this problem that needs to get taken care of and he might be capable of doing it. So I'm going to send him to do it if he dies. I win. If he is successful and comes back, I win. And yeah. And if he fails, he owes me even more. He's, it's a no-lose situation. Exactly. Right, yeah. I feel like that. I, th- I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point he gets back to Severin and talks with the mayor and, and, and the mayor reveals some small little other thing. But I don't think it's going to be a critical thing. I think I think that's mostly what the intentions are, whether yeah. or not anyone ever admits to it. Because I again, I don't like he's he's critical to as far as like a pivotal point of the narrative, but mm-hmm. I don't think that he's actually like his character matters more that his character exists is what matters. Yeah, because he's like he is the stepping stone for mm-hmm. like he's both needs him as a patron basically. Like right. he's going to be his bank account. Right. And so we're still like hoping that that's the case. So mm-hmm. both can go back to school and like not have to worry about money and then at least as far as this book goes i don't think he matters much more than that and then potentially maybe the, the next one who knows thing, right that has to matter because the name keeps coming up too right yeah so for the name lacklist to come up so frequently mm-hmm. since we've you know started meeting them uh she also has to matter in some capacity or just be like an additional catalyst for Kavos journey yeah i i also feel like Kvoth was getting a lot of fan mail like not fan mail he was getting like gossip mail from uh all the all the people around town the gossip mongers you know that mm-hmm. were um he when he put out that he like was looking for family stories because he was like a right, historian right. or whatever he mm-hmm. was getting a bunch of gossip and he got some gossip on uh oh shoot who are we just the lacklist, the lacklist yeah mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i feel like well, then we also find out that she's racist towards the Adenara. Yes, yes. So that was also potentially, if if the mayor was aware of that, that would be another good reason to be like, hey, get out of here for a while. <laughs> well, the gossip, too, was that her sister ran away with some Rue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, right. mom so that's, ran away yeah, from... That's one mm-hmm. of the clues that's sort of like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe. is it his aunt? Maybe. He like recognizes her. Yeah, it's kind of weird that he's yeah. like, oh, she's she is really pretty. I mean, I guess it's not weird to think she's pretty, but like... He was hitting on her, you know, like right, he wasn't yeah. trying to get with her because they know that is so weird to have somebody else go do all that. I guess if you're 
I think back whenever Jeez. it was like ideas of like, you know, courtliness and all of that, it probably made more sense to have things happen between people rather mm. than directly because, you know, he's the mayor, right? He's about as good as the king. And so for him to be like approaching people directly like that might not be, you know, very seemly. Mm. I think it was probably more common back in those times whenever there was so much decorum around everything. Yeah. And there's also, I always forget the air around royalty that at least in this series that Mm -hmm. I could do it if I wanted to not like, you you know Mm, what I mean? How about to saying, uh, you know, as, as if I wanted to, I could maybe figure, I could figure out how to make his medicine when he was talking to, uh, Oh, who was making the medicine for the mayor? I already forgot his name because he was the oh, mayor. Yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah. Anyway, he he, he was thinking because he was playing this lordling, mm-hmm. and he was like, uh, you know, I could do it if I wanted to, just like any noble could farm land or whatever. Anyway. Right, right. So that's probably what he's thinking. He's like, if I, it's implied that he could court her, but it's not appropriate. That's so like they have so many rules too. Like they're explaining the rules of this super noble court that's very different than the rules we are accustomed to at the university and in Quilt's life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then now we're going out into we went into the Fey and now we're on our way to Adem. Like mm-hmm. I can only imagine how weird it's gonna get. Like we're gonna learn <sighs> He gets excited and I feel like I see exactly why he's a video game writer he likes building the worlds yeah and i feel like he's playing the main character like it's a game you know and he's trying <laughs> to do all the fun stuff and see all sure the places, right you yeah know? have the full experience you yeah. know make the 60 hour game 120 that must be why i like it so much i like watching people ga- play games and mm-hmm. you're you're the gamer <laughs> <laughs> you know you uh right i was always saying you should you should be like a streamer <sighs> i can't talk that well well i mean I say that as we record a podcast, right. but the the kind of like conversational talk that has to be happening continually during a stream is not something that I can hold up. Conversationally, I'm not very good. Yeah, I rely yeah. on other people a lot for that. Yeah, you kind of kind of chew the fat on those, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least uh, in a game, you could like read the dialogue, but that's only so Potentially, much. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how'd you feel about uh, Felurian's story? I, I know that this was basically... I'm sure you could tell it was the side story that I was saying mm-hmm. the entire other book we read was. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's a, I thought it was really interesting just yeah. because it was so different from everything that had just happened. Um, he, Kavoth himself, was frustrating at times during mm-hmm. it because he was just doing the Kavoth thing where he was like, but that's impossible or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you literally are banging a fairy right now like not just how a, is not, stuff still impossible not just a fairy the like fairy the, god yeah, of sex right yeah, yeah. And the legend yeah i thought it was a little like silly how he wrote his way of like both getting out of there because he like he's like oh how would i know like he's writing a song it was a little Hillary much and- for me to believe that he had that idea and was able to execute it he was I, like this is what i'm going to do to do it and then did it i, I yeah it's hard for me to think that both could come up with that while he's trying to battle with his own sanity whereas patrick rothfuss was probably sitting around like oh this is perfect <laughs> right it did seem like a little bit much yeah but but whatever yeah i mean it was fine honestly because as he as i was reading it the, or listening to it the first time i remember thinking like i guess i can't come up, up with another way of getting out of there while still having your sanity without killing her you know right yeah. so he convinces her like well let me finish this song that i wrote about you that's only mediocre because i have no comparison you took my virginity like how could i how right, could I know yeah. what the world has to offer? You know, yeah. it was nice. I said it was nice, and she's like, "I'm the best." You know, right. <laughs> so yeah. he's playing on her vanity. And did he say the name of the wind? Because it's never been like a phrase or whatever. Before, We've never right? heard it. Yeah, yeah. So it almost feels like he does say it, or he he, you know, says that he said it. Yeah, I don't know that. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He does it much like he did the first time whenever he was still learning as a kid before his parents were killed, where he just like sort of takes it out of his own breath. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, we don't hear it. It's not a word that we are told. It has sort of the same like strength as when he was fighting Ambrose, right? Like how it just threw him out. Like it just. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, because, well, I mean. It seems to just lift her up and like constrain her. That was pretty Which is, you know, intense because she's you know, Flurian. Yeah. Um, 
I did I did like that whole section though. I thought mm-hmm. it was good. I thought it was interesting to see the other world. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like how they described her magic too, how she was uh she was like pulling shadows out of uh just like out of the air. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, and she yeah. was weaving his shadow cloak. Mm-hmm, and yeah. uh I forgot. They used a better word than pulling. I don't know why that matters so much to me right now. But it's like she was sewing and yeah she was using like the starlight and the moonlight to sew the shadows together and she was like taking the beams of light and using them i don't remember the exact verbiage either but that's what she was doing no the way you did it too painted the same picture because it's like she's weaving the light through the shadows that she's it's Mm -hmm. like that's and then so what color do you imagine is it just a dark cloak that has a bunch of layers well it's a cloak of no particular color isn't that how they describe it (laughs) well that's uh that's Taberlin the Great's cloak. No, stupid. isn't that isn't Taberlin's like the cloak of many colors or something like that? Taberlin has the cloak of no particular color. Cloak Kvothe ha- has the shadow cloak. Oh, okay, I'm thinking about something else then. Yeah, you're just like the farmer's boy. No, the, the blacksmith's boy. Yeah, it wasn't his, like like Derek or something like that. Like something like uh, decidedly not fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I keep thinking Braden because I was like I must remember his name for this, <laughs> and that's not it. Dang, oh well. Anyway, um, I feel like it's Kevin or something. No, you're right though. Um, it's something very standard, like at least standard by names that we know in real life. Yeah, not super normal fantasy. Um, okay, well here I'm gonna give you one of my notes. Um, mm. I thought it was really interesting how when Kvolt first started learning Adamic, how uh, it's like a language that eventually he learned based on cadence. Like a lot of the words sound the exact same but the way you say them mm-hmm. it changes the meaning entirely right and i was thinking for such a like technical and the way he describes it too is like melodic it's the cadence mm-hmm. and then for them to be so weird about music and like it's basically like running around naked and having sex with her like they they can they see playing music for like a crowd of people as being a whore and you right because you're like I guess because it's more personal to them. Yeah. Like nobody plays music is so rare and we're not used to that in our society where music is all over the place. Like I can't even imagine where you would be going most of your life with probably not hearing any music except for the, the, the sound of the wind. No, (laughs) like, you know, like the, the sounds in nature, I guess you could argue as music, but like, it's so hard for me to understand like what that would be like and the, the emotions that go through you when you hear it for the first time. Cause music is like a, every, everybody understands that language. Yeah. They know? say it's a universal language, right? Yeah. So I don't know. And it's super interesting that their language, it sounds like their language is very musical, mm-hmm. but they are so upset by music. I don't, I don't know. It's just an interesting concept. And I like how he, I feel like he challenges himself with certain ideas. He's like, let's do something mm-hmm. weird, like make a new language uh, where nobody is allowed to make face. They're not allowed to make eye contact. Right. So all the instinctual facial gestures you make, you have to then make with your hands and it's more focused. And it's like the mm-hmm. way they argue it off is that it's civilized. It's not like it doesn't matter if it's easier. I mean, easier isn't civilized. <laughs> civilized right. is like deliberate, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the whole endemic stuff is. And obviously he could have pulled inspiration from something else. But the thing that I jumped to first, just because it's something that I'm more familiar with, is that it's there are there's a lot of like Japanese sentimentality in the way that the Edemic do things uh, in the way that they don't show emotions openly and the way that they are very careful with the words that they use and that the same statement can mean a dozen different things at the same time. And part of the com- communication is about being able to interpret what somebody else is saying rather than it just being plain and simple like you know we commonly use wow um and then i mean just like it's stuff like that there's probably other things in there mm-hmm. i'm sure uh, as most things happen whenever you create something for a story you grab from multiple sources but that's what jumps out at me first that's cool as, as far as being able to relate it to something else that i'm also aware of yeah as you were saying that i was like that never even occurred to me and I honestly never even really realized that in Japanese. Like, I know I've heard a lot of the same words in a lot of the different scenarios in anime, and I'm just like, ah, eh, whatever. Like, I just must, they must be saying something mm-hmm. slightly. But as you were saying that, if a lot of intention is portrayed in the words, then, like, in the way you say it, and no wonder it's more fun to watch anime and read the subtitles, because, like, 
I don't know. I feel like there is something lost in translation when they have to do mm-hmm. the the dubbing because yeah. there's like because they have to fit it culturally. in the same space. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In that in that vo- voice slot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So you like the ademic or the adem, right? You want to? Yeah, do one? it's interesting. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to see more of it because yeah. that's obviously where we leave off in this section of reading. Mm-hmm. So I'm ex- I'm excited. Tippy was always uh, really interesting. I thought just because he was so different from everybody around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally speaking, I like the more quiet character in a story. Um, so I am excited to see more of whatever is coming next in this immediate next section uh, because of that. I think that it'll, and it'll be interesting because this is something that's so outside of Kavos' wheelhouse. Everything that he's trying to learn from Tempe and the uh, society that he's doing it in, and all of that, it's uh, it's so far out of his wheelhouse that he's not going to be super great at it, and he's going to be constantly being humbled by it, and that'll that could hopefully only be good for him as a character, and maybe I'll start to like him more. <laughs> yeah. I think when he goes back to the university and he's kind of grown up a little bit and matured. I mean, Patrick mm. Rothfuss as a person, I feel like matured in those years between the book and oh sure. And so, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just like projecting a lot onto it, like as I'm reading. But it's just it feels like he's grown a lot, and we're 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 going through the growth period. So I'm sad that you that you haven't liked him yet. But hopefully, <laughs> that would be a bummer if like I make you read this whole series and you're like, I didn't like the main character. All the side stuff was fun. I just wish there was a different vehicle to get there. Right. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> That's certainly where I'm at right now. Oh, no. But it's not, I mean, it's not a problem. No, I get it. It's, I get it. Yeah. It's, uh, I'll, you know, I think I, like, I, I might have said it fairly early on. I'll probably end this thinking like, you know, that was good. I enjoyed it. I'm glad to have read it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read it again. Yeah. Uh, which is also not terribly uncommon. I don't read every single book that I like more than once. Mm-hmm. There's really only like a small handful of books that I've read multiple times. Uh, but I, I definitely can't understand why I would read this again, unless the third book comes out in 25 years and I need a refresher. You <laughs> yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. Um, how do you imagine uh, Tempe? I go back and forth and, I think it's because I didn't pay enough attention to the description of the party whenever they were first brought. Because, you know, it was like, we got these new people. Let's describe them. I I don't know if I just didn't pay attention to it or if, I don't know, maybe it was like late at night or I was distracted at work or something, right? Who knows? Um, but then whenever I came to it later, uh, you know, after the couple of breaks that I've had in reading during this two-week period of moving, mm-hmm. um, the... I initially just think of like a darker uh, toned skin, like somebody who's outside all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he's not bald, but I think he's bald. <laughs> <That's so laughs> Even funny. though he, it's multiple times he, he's described as having sandy colored hair. Yeah. Uh, which means that his skin might be a lighter tone than I think as well because of his, his uh, hair color. So I know that the one that like just got pushed into my brain by myself because I forgot what the description was is wrong, but I can't help but think of it whenever I imagine him doing his actions. Um, I, I can <laughs> only imagine Grey Worm from Game of Thrones, like the actor that, that yeah, plays Grey Worm. That's, that's exactly yeah, that's who what I, I make think about Tempe. as well. Yeah, and I I listen to the description. It's like tall, thin, ripped, white, <laughs> blonde. It's right. Like, it's, yeah. It's like describing Russian or something, and. Right, I can't yeah. help but it's like no, it's Grey Worm, the right, the eunuch from Game of Thrones. I decided it's this other person. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, this is who it is. You're wrong. <laughs> I don't um, know why I did that, but whatever. Yeah, I think the reason they described it that way too is just so that he could have such a contrast to the way Sim was. You know, it's mm-hmm. like because uh, because he describes him as being a lot like Simon, but only in appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not in demeanor at all. Yeah, and the way Tempe talks in a Dim- or wait in uh, a Turin. God, all these words. No wonder I get them confused. Mm. Uh, in which is just like the common English, basically. Right, the one that we're used to. <laughs> yeah, um, he still speaks kind of like, kind of ademic in a Turin, if that makes any sense. Like he's speaking in fewer words, but trying mm-hmm. to mean more things, you know. And right. one one thing that I didn't notice any time until this read through was when, uh, when I think Tempe and Quoth were like. Uh, they're on their journey to um, 
a dim ray and uh, oh, okay. and they're they're going through like mm-hmm. the the three parts like three three in the morning three in the ending of doing the uh like all the, the exercises talking, the, and all that the, yeah. yeah the k10 and yeah mm-hmm. um one of the one of those times when he's like in the that mind state he calls like the floating leaf or whatever mm-hmm. um tempe he like he looks at him like he looks him dead in the eye, which Timpy never does because mm-hmm. eye contact's like not normal. And then he, he just says proud, which is like that. They were just saying how speaking less is often the better choice in Adam. I would be awful and, there. <laughs> and so he's yeah, he, he's like illustrating the point as well as getting across the sentiment that, you know, is honest in that moment and that he's is proud of the uh, progress that Kvothe has made mm-hmm. on this journey so far. Um, it was a, a nice moment. Yeah, I, I had never heard that before, and I was like, "Huh." Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, it touched me. I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I would have trouble speaking in a dimic just because, like, I mean, not if I grew up there, but, like, learning it. Because Quoth is super wordy. He talks too much, and, like, yeah. <laughs> and I talk too much. So going into this other, like, country where it's like, hey, less is more. I'd be like, are you sure? Because I've got a lot to say. So let's let's just but see. It's very if, important that everyone knows that. I think I more is more. I'm just going to give you more and you'll adapt. Right. It's like, this is the rudest barbarian we've ever met. He'll never fit in. It so. would be hard to really just kind of do that anywhere, I guess. Right. Because it's just, it's something that's so foreign to everything that you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it they do say do they say less and it means more in Japanese? Is that something I just never noticed? I don't know if that's ever something that I've heard expressed so directly. Mm-hmm. Um so much as just what I've picked up in okay. context, you know. Cool. With the you know, unhealthy amounts of, you know, uh, media that I've taken in. <laughs> yeah. Um That's so interesting though. The cuz I never yeah, I didn't notice anything like that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of it that is far more about implication rather than spelling it out. Mm. Like, and, you know, we don't have to get too far into this, you know, sidetrack, but like they don't, there isn't a phrase for saying I love you. It's derived from, <laughs> so there, there was this like English professor, or a, a, like a, a professor of language. I said English because I speak English. <laughs> a, a language professor at a Japanese university like, like in the eight, like late 1800s or something like that. And they were doing some translation. Somebody was trying to take something from English to Japanese and they're trying to figure out how would, how would we say I love you? And, and he, the student, you know, writes out something a little too literal. Mm-hmm. The professor comes by and sees it and says, now you should say it like this. And he writes down, uh, the moon is beautiful, isn't it? And and so then they use that phrase, the Japanese of that phrase, like the moon is beautiful, isn't it? That's what they use to say, I love you. And even then, it's not particularly common. You don't usually just say that. The general Japanese sentiment is to show it, not say it. Oh, cool. Uh, but they do say that. And it's supposed to imply like a bunch of different things. Like, isn't it beautiful that we are here seeing this moon together? Okay. But then also like, I mean, several other things. I've read a lot about it. And and so there's like a bunch of different ideas about what it meant because the professor never actually said mm-hmm. what it is. I don't know if anybody like interviewed him like years afterwards or anything like that. And he was like, well, this is what I was thinking. I don't think I don't think he ever said anything about it. So it's left for everybody to come up with reasons why he thought that was the way to say it. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I'm uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, is that that's not Japan? It, it's so it, Memoirs of a Geisha is about Japanese Geisha. Okay. It's written by a white man. Well, the only reason I brought it up was because I know that they, they do, they, well, like, I guess I should have just said, no, Mulan's China, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know anything. I was, <laughs> I was just, I was about to say the reason, maybe one of the reasons could be because the moon and like fair skin, but I was like, no, that could, that's, why would that be specific to Japan if it's in Chinese culture too? But mm-hmm. I mean, is that something they did the white face, like the white face makeup in Japan? Yes. That's part okay. of like the geisha, you know, presentation. Okay. Yeah. And fair skin is like. I know that's a thing because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a thing in, in Japan. Okay. That's cool, though, that I like the we're looking at the moon together thing, though, better than, like, you got nice skin. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, 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 um, the weight of implication rather than having things spelled out okay. is, it seems to be, you know, the more important part of a demic. Yeah. And so less is more, I guess. <laughs> So, the moon travels between the Fey and regular 
Yeah, that's what we're supposed to believe, I guess. I don't know how literal that is because like everything that Valerian says, it's a little vague and a little noncommittal. But it, I, I guess that's what it is. Do you think it seems to pull the worlds together because she says whenever it's either whole or empty, that's when you are closer to the other, respectively. Whenever it's full, the fan is being pulled to the mortal. And whenever it's empty, the mortal is being pulled to the fan. And so it's more dangerous. That's why she tells Gavoth, you know, a wise man is afraid of a, of a moonless night or whatever. Okay. It's because they're closer to their realm than they are to their own. You know, it's, it's getting, it seems that the worlds get pulled at least as much as the moon is being pulled. So with no moon, the mortal is to more the in the fae. Okay. And then in a full moon, the fae is more in the mortal. Oh, I get it. Okay. Okay. Um, like, or like, cool. if you know, as if yeah, they're crossing yeah. a line, you know. That's fun. I wonder if, I wonder if it was an eye roll when um, Elodin asked both, "Where does the moon go when it's not in our sky?" Because all the professors were like, "It's," you know what I mean? Like how we right, were talking yeah. about, like, well, how does he not know where the moon goes? Don't they study like astrology? Didn't we figure that out? Maybe all the professors were like, "Why is he asking this? Like, this is a right. dumb question." Because they also ask ridiculous questions all the time, and they get exasperated with him. That's for so that. funny. I wonder, but yeah. it's totally and so some like you know what you're probably getting to. Yeah. What Kavoth is finding out is like, shit. I should have listened to Elodin more. Like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he wasn't just asking me a silly question about where the moon goes when it's not in the sky. He was saying like, he wants me to think. <laughs> yeah, there's well, and there was another reason like all the other professors yeah, were just like that you know yeah they were just like well it's astronomy that's why it's not right. in the sky yeah, <laughs> but it's because it's being partially blocked by the earth in yeah. the place of the sun and so there's a shadow on it and blah 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 that's funny you know all the actual reasons because i just thought that like astrology made no sense in this world now <laughs> like i just didn't think yeah i just didn't think it followed our rules so that's cool like i'm glad thinking that out loud kind of it, it added a little bit more like the book's just not being willy-nilly. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like the professors all looked at him like, you dork. Like, why are you asking him a question that's like a fairy tale of question, you know? I'm, right, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and I don't think really much else happened. I can't not, give you yeah, anything. Well, they, I mean, oh, they, the Cathay. You haven't told me about your problems with the Cathay. Yeah, and we can get to that. But as far as like what else happens, just to, you know, just to rem remember and, you know, maybe it'll make you think of something. But they deal with the bandits. Yeah, I actually just read that. I was like, oh, yeah, the bandit fight. That's, a good deal. <laughs> that's like a third of this section is them finding the bandits. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of repetitive and boring and annoying. Uh, or at least it takes a little bit longer than maybe it had to, certainly because it results in considerably more important and more interesting stuff, like the fight with the bandits and then Felurian mm -hmm. and then them going to Adem. Like, you know, the, the stuff that happens after the search for the bandits is considerably more important and exciting. The search could have been a little bit shorter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so that part also happened. But um, uh, the Cathayan... I have a pretty big problem with the Cathayan as an idea. Okay. And it's because of something that I'm projecting mm -hmm. for sure. Maybe I'm right. Whatever. Uh, the, the Cathayan only exists to be evil, right? It's pure malice is something that Bass tells us. And so its whole thing is that it just tells people stuff that they don't want to know about. But it's true because it's an all-knowing, all-seeing being or whatever. And that's just given to be as a true fact. So we have to believe it. Mm -hmm. The The secrets that it tells Gavoth are secrets that are like, in my opinion, something that Patrick Rothfuss thinks about himself. And it's part of why I don't like his relationship with Denna. Okay, yeah. Uh, because I think that it's just gross and mm -hmm. toxic and terrible on both sides. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, if, you, if, if Patrick Rothfuss has been through that himself, that's terrible. I know what that's like, and I don't want anybody to have to do that. But yeah, to make that so prominent in your story is a little overstepping, in, in my personal opinion. Yeah, to my own tastes, uh, somebody might take something more from it than I do, which is totally fair. The, but the, but so then, what the Cathayan, you know, all that being said, represents to me is he's talking about how everything that happened with Dina is now his fault, and he should feel terrible about it. And he should only be criticizing himself about it. It's what the Cathayan is trying to make Kavoth think, mm -hmm. right? Whether or not it's true or not, that's what the Cathayan is making out of the situation and trying to sort of like break down Kavoth because that's what it wants to do. It loves to see other things in pain. It's doing it the entire time it's talking to Kavoth. It's killing butterflies. It's literally ripping the wings off of butterflies, which is a saying, you know, both mm -hmm. in the real world and in this book. 
and so I just don't like that representation of it. It feels like Patrick Rothfuss has created this character who, aside from a talking point, speaking about the Cathan, does not matter for the greater narrative at all. The only thing that is actually revealed that will be useful to both is that he might be closer to the Chandrian than he thinks he is. Okay. And maybe a avenue to go down. But finding out the avenue to go down could be done in literally any other way, narratively speaking. So we, he's created this character that exists to push out this idea that he has about himself. And if he... I just don't like that as an okay. idea. Because I used to be that way. <laughs> I used to not shut up about my problems uh, on social media mostly, you know. Certainly whenever I would just get, you know, blackout drunk all the time and just like tweet just terrible, awful shit. Mm -hmm. Most of it jokes and I thought they were funny and some of them were pretty fucking funny. But it's still like as an idea, I was like putting out a bunch of bad energy out there, a bunch of bad shit that nobody needs to see. And so I don't like it. If he needs to do that to find some sort of closure within himself, okay. But I personally don't appreciate it. You were the cafe. <laughs> yeah. I'm just putting out the bad The, the, <laughs> the Cathan is definitely a voice that exists inside me as well. And probably okay. exists to, inside everybody to some extent or other. It's just a matter of how much you let it actually affect you. Mm -hmm. uh, like most things. But uh, the, the, the voice of the Cathan is definitely inside me and probably stronger than maybe an average person so maybe that's why i have as much of an opinion on this as i do mm -hmm. uh i but i, I don't appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> didn't say right i uh i always thought the cathay scene was weird because the way bast freaks out about it it's like he should be not only dead but like the world should be over because of you running into this thing like you should have never found it and like all the people that you know and that knew you like mm -hmm. shouldn't even be around anymore either and it's like for that to have not happened yet I mean, even when we get a, a like a taste of both in the present day, the only thing is is maybe he rips the portal open between the two worlds, and mm -hmm. that's why we're seeing some like fairy demons or whatever right, coming yeah. over. And but I don't know. It's it is weird to make it like because you ran ran into the Cathay, like you you're like cursed. You know, they made it, it sets out like you it's on a path in a way. Yeah, is yeah. Bass talks about like. You know, anytime somebody's met the Cathan, something ruinous has happened to civilization yeah, and uh, the worlds. No. And uh, it's always a tragedy when it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's happened like three or four times or whatever. And all those stories are very well known mm -hmm. because the Cathan sets you on a path. It tells you something that is true. And and so, you know, it's manipulating people into making decisions or whatever. Right. Because it enjoys the pain that they, you know, happens because of it. So. You didn't like that it was trying to be funny, though? He's like, you guys don't even understand my jokes. Do you remember that? No, I'm, no, I'm not. Oh, the, when the Cathay was, like, reading, like, telling Kvothe about his uh, oh, fortune. Oh, right. He's like, yeah, I the... wish you understood the subtlety of which I, of my humor. Because, like, mm -hmm. but don't worry, you'll get it. And he's basically, like, telling us, like, breaking the fourth wall, like, don't worry, guys, you'll get right, it. Right, yeah, the, this line matters. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to remember what it was. And the only things I have written down are stick by the mirror and he'll lead you to their door. Um, it's something it's it's the door isn't it it's just another mention of the fucking door yeah and then he said I wish you understood the subtlety of my jokes that's all I wrote I, I, why didn't I write down what the nah. <laughs> well it doesn't matter but it's just yeah it it, it was almost like a little heavy handed how much that is apparently going to matter later you know <laughs> yeah and it's kind of but, for, but coming from a character that knows everything and all possibilities um it fits for that character to say something like that. Yeah. It just, you know, it's just obvious. <laughs> yeah. And like you were saying, for this character to be created for like, it already sounds like it was created for a weird reason. It is another one of those times that it's like, all right, this is kind of a, just like in your face plot point. Like this happens, look for the, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of just, it's like, I don't know. It it feels like forced and like I couldn't think of another way. So let's have a fairy tree that's cursed. Tell you that's right. the case. It would be interesting to to know what he has to say about it. And maybe yeah. he has said something about it. Um, but it, it might be something worth you know finding out. Maybe yeah. Uh, just for 
just for my own interest because I have such a problem with it. But so that's, you know, that was, was, you know, what I was talking about earlier when I said I had such a problem with it before we were recording. Gotcha. No, I totally get that. It's a weird character for him to have so much like projection onto. I see what you're saying. It's like he was trying to like expel something Mm -hmm. and just like had to do it. But, you know, this is more supposition on my part and but couldn't figure out a good way to do it and so this is what we got yeah but again that's all just me just shooting wildly like thinking like you know what could this possibly be i don't i don't know i don't know him uh but yeah anyway well th- those are all my notes i went back through and i was like no, oh yeah no, I brought those up. yeah i brought some of the points up earlier so yeah i don't think that i have really too too much else i'm you know i know that i have thoughts on things it's just hard to kind of remember them specifically you know yeah it's a weird all i can say is this book is going out of such a weird pace that it doesn't make sense that it's the second book in the series because it doesn't seem like it feels like this is just like really cool information but i I don't i don't see like the any the typical story chart you know where Mm -hmm. like where you have a pro like i don't know you meet the characters rising action uh climate you know like right, you have the yeah. problem you solve it and then there's the resolution yeah. at the end like i don't know if i'm gonna see that by it doesn't feel like we're gonna see the end like there is no bigger thing in this series in it's this really particular weird. book because all the big things that we've learned maybe in this book have to wait for the next book because mm-hmm. they're like finale type things right so it's you know something that i've said almost every single time that we've talked about it is at this point now we're 1700 pages into a story Mm -hmm. and i have no idea what is going on and i have no idea what is going to happen yeah and that's fucking nuts to me (laughs) yeah i wouldn't mind it i've read a lot of stories about nothing i've watched a lot of movies about nothing i Mm -hmm. love a lot of movies about nothing days confused rules but nothing (laughs) happens in that movie yeah Uh, but it's also only like 90 minutes of my life. Yeah, this is a <laughs> lot. Whereas it's 1,800 pages mm-hmm. we've gotten through so far, and we have another like 300 pages in this one. And who knows what the third book is going to be? Yeah, I feel like I would be content if like if there wasn't any attempt at maybe trying to manufacture like action, like how in the last book the uh, the Dracus kind of felt like a manufactured problem. So it didn't that they seem could necessary. Have, yeah, know. so that they could have the resolution at the end of the book. Like we killed the dragon, we saved the girl. You know, it was that. sort of like, yeah, this is the exciting part mm-hmm. of the this section of the story, right? This is the whoa. It feels like this book, if you take the Dracus out and you just smush it into the first book and then you take the third book that we don't know about, it seems like they would all just be one giant book if he could have his way. You know, like right. it doesn't seem, yeah. it seems like if there is going to be a, a resolution for this, it's not going to be, it's going to be manufactured and not necessarily like, did we need that right now? Like if this is a bigger plot for these bigger ideas and we're mm-hmm. only just learning clues for these bigger ideas. Um, yeah. Why are you giving us this like right. half-assed And that's finale, part of like the problem you know? that you've talked about anytime we've talked about this series in the past as well mm-hmm. as that. It, you're afraid that now it's taken him so long to get this third one out and finish this insane journey that he started that he might not possibly ever be able to get himself to do it because Mm. it's constantly going to be like, what are they going to think? Is this the right move to make? Is this going to be okay? You know, like there's so much anticipation, some expectation. There's so much that I've done that I have to somehow wrap up. Like, I think that's absolutely the case. Yeah. I think that whether or not, he realized it when it was happening or just so long after because it's now been like 10 years since this one or something like that. Mm -hmm. And between this one and the first one, it was like also like 10 or like eight years or something like less time, but still a decent amount of time. Right. I don't remember six to eight years, like something. Right. Yeah. Um, so at some point in that journey, he must've realized something, but I'm scared like, that I, it's I, like I he, he's reread the first book and been like, I should not have said that. Fuck. Like he's right. painted himself into a corner. And I know because well, we now he's about read, he read the wrote the first book, you know, over a decade mm-hmm. ago at this point. So his even just like his um, his knowledge of writing has changed dramatically in that point in time. So, yeah, I'm sure that there's something he's like, mm, mm-hmm. would have helped myself out if I did it this way. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare to be. in. I do not envy him. <laughs> yeah and uh yeah that's gonna be so hard for him to write the last book but i can't wait still yeah i mean at this like you know you know i, I know that i have a lot of criticism and you know and, and stuff like that but i am enjoying it mm-hmm. 
I do not, and I'm not going to regret reading it unless it just like, you know, does a Benioff and Weiss Game of Thrones bullshit or like a Mass Effect 3 garbage. Like if it, yeah. if it just totally drops the ball so hard that it breaks my foot, I'm not going to be happy that I read it. But if it just doesn't do that, then I'll be like, that was totally worth reading and I'm glad that we did that. Yeah, if nothing else, you'll get my references to it now. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, so I guess we're do- we just read the last section, right? Yeah, we're just going to finish it up. And then we're also going to try and read the Ari story, right? Yeah. Because we want to try and get a week ahead somehow if we can. Yes. The Slow Regard of Silent Things Yeah. is a uh, just a short story offshoot that's just about Ari, and it's supposed to be before she meets Kavoth, right? I think so. I think she's still, I don't know. Because you haven't read it either, right? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't know if she lives in the underthing yet. Like the front cover makes it look like she's going into the underthing, mm-hmm, but yeah. I don't know if if that's the case or it's a, she's about to. Uh, Ari, I think, is super important. I think she's like she's Princess my favorite character Ariel, so far. Like that was the the hint we got at the beginning of this book that mm-hmm. she was, and yeah, she's your favorite character. So yeah, um, okay, so yeah, so finish that. Uh, so finish the this book, and then next week we'll be doing or two weeks from now we'll be doing Ari's book. Yeah, so. You just at home will have another week to do it. We're just going to, we're going to read it all at once so that we can back to back record and have yeah. that ready, but they're not going to come out at the same time. They're going to come out a week. We're gonna, we're trying to get on a week ahead schedule with the recording yeah, because that'll be a little bit easier for us to manage mm-hmm. um, if we can manage to get there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's probably the reason we, you know, missed a week last week. So that's why we didn't have it last week. Part we'll of have... it. I mean, my poor planning with the move is obviously like 90% of it, but this is also a lot of reading to do. These books are, because we don't want to take too long with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of reading that we're doing each week. We, you know, we average probably like 215, 220 pages yeah. with most books. And we're doing like another, I don't know, like 20% on top of that or something like that. I don't know the math quick and bad, but. It's been a full book every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. But uh, you guys know how to find us at anchor.fm slash ears-tamps. And then we, that has links to all our social media. Um, but you can also go to them. Uh, it's uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, Is it ears- at ears underscore stamps. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then dog ears and timestamps at gmail.com. And then, yeah, so just read, finish out the, the wise man's fear for next week. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk to you all the week after that with the, the Ari story that I already forgot the name of. The slow regard the... of silent things. There you go. I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Chaffer. This is Dog Ears and Timestamps. I said, Steph.